Everyone, the Sens Nation podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Jim K. Ford. The 2022 Ford Bronco SUV is ready to help shift your perspective and push your boundaries on your terms with a newly available manual transmission with the Sasquatch package. Drake Batherson drives a Jim K. Ford Bronco. Order yours today exactly the way you want it at Jim K. Ford, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans or JimKFord.com. Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Back for Barzell. Cross the top is Severson. Back for Barzell. Down to Dubois. To Barzell. Walks in, waits, needs it across. Patterson scores! Drake Patterson has won it for Canada. All the way back from 3-0 down. Canada's on to the semifinals at the World Hockey Championship. Oh, what a goal. Drake Batherson in the quarterfinals. Nuts getting a little long in the tooth now. It was a few days ago, but uh, Drake Batherson with an OT winner. I'd say that sends Nation karma. Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. Got lots to get to today. We had Pierre Dorian uh, make a guest appearance on the local sports radio station, TSN 1200. We'll talk a little bit about what he had to say. More on the World Hockey Championship as since that goal you just heard. And that was a courtesy of TSN, by the way. Canadians are on to the gold medal game after a semifinal win over Czechia. So we'll get to that and a whole lot more here on the Sens Nation podcast. Greg, what is going on? <laughs> Not much. Did I tell you my power went out again after it what? was back on? Yeah, it came oh. back on and then it went out again on uh, Wednesday. It was out for another 24 plus hours. How about you? Have you got power yet down there? I got it on Thursday evening. I went off to hockey and yeah. as soon as I got off the ice, my wife was uh, texting me and saying, the power is finally back. The power is finally back. If you need me, I'll be in the tub. Because <laughs> we didn't have running water either, right? So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Before we get into hockey, I was thinking to you this week, because you are a mutual admirer of uh, Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner and the passing yes. of Ray Liotta this week. It was, uh, had me thinking about that movie for the first time in, uh, in many years. And yep. uh, yeah, 67. It's funny when you're... When you're 20 years old, you think 67, that's an old man. But uh, at our age now, you go, holy cow, that's young. And uh, yeah. passed away in his sleep the other day. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad. Eh? Like you, 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 how, And then how certain guys are affiliated with certain roles. And I'll, I'll never forget the, you know, we Ty Cobb wanted to come, but none of us liked it when we played with him anyway. And then yeah. the laugh. The, 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 we told him we could stick it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, certainly there was a couple of, of neat, uh, lots of neat uh, moments. Uh, of course, he's great in Goodfellas, but certainly Field of Dreams. If you're a sports fan, you probably uh, like that movie. And uh, Kevin Costner tweeted today how that moment where when he started pitching to Shoeless Joe Jackson, played by Ray Liotta for the first time, he was a little cocky. He said, see if you, see if you can hit my curveball. And, and Shoeless <laughs> Joe goes, sort of chuckles, and then absolutely hammers it back at the mound. The ball goes right into the ball bag. According to yep. Kevin Costner, that was all, that was a one take wonder. It was just a, a gift oh. from the gods as far as a stunt goes. They did not expect that to happen, and it was absolutely perfect. But uh, anyway, uh, I was thinking of you this week because of the passing of Ray Liotta yeah. and our mutual love of that movie. Now, let's get just overlook, overlook the fact that he bats the wrong way. Yes, that's another thing. It's easy to, <laughs> well, as Ray Liotta pointed, because he's been, people have pointed that out to him for years. And yeah. uh, you know, you know what else Shoeless Joe didn't do? He didn't come down from heaven out of a cornfield. So you, know, <laughs> you might want to relax on what way he was batting. So it's a fantasy movie. Um, all right, let's jump in here today. Any thoughts on the Stanley Cup playoffs? I mean, the Battle of Alberta and the Battle of Florida 
Everybody thought those are going to be good, long battles, and they were mopped up pretty quickly by the Oilers uh, and by the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so to me, those are the big stories of the second round. Uh, what what, uh, what have you thought of the second round so far as it's almost over now because we're just down to the Rangers and Carolina? Yeah, I thought um, I, I, I thought Tampa had one more in them, and, and they certainly did. Uh, that's just spanking. That's the old man spanking the young kid saying, hey, you guys aren't quite ready yet. You know, it's just they, they, the, the, the Panthers certainly showed that they're not quite there yet. They're not quite ready to play with the big boys in a playoff series. Uh, the other one was simply the the stars of the Oilers are, uh, are better than the, uh, let's face it, the top line of Calgary didn't exactly show up to the way they did in the National Hockey League season because they were, they were the best line in the league and did not have a good series probably really didn't have a good playoff compared to their, their regular seasons. And as much as I hate Montreal, Edmonton's not far behind. I, ugh, I can't stand them. They got to lose now. Oh, really? Uh, I, I got a soft spot for the Oilers just because I got such a kick out of watching them in the early eighties. And you make a good reference about the older guys just having a little bit left to take care of the youth that's coming along. It, it did kind of remind me of the Stanley cup final, the last hurrah for the New York Islanders as they polished off their yeah. fourth, of four Stanley Cups in their dynasty years. There was that one series that they win, and after losing in the Stanley Cup final, the Islanders, the veterans, the Oilers went past their room and saw how black and blue they were and beat up, and there was no celebration. To the, they're, both, they're all just exhausted in there, whereas the young spry Oilers were just basically heading to the bar and excited about the summer ahead, and it's like, okay, we maybe didn't pay the price in this series, and that, that kind of taught them a few things moving forward. Yeah, it's like like we always say. It's it's you can go back and trace the history of most teams that win at some point the year before, two years before, sometimes even three, four, and five years back. There was a heartbreaking loss, or you know we should have won, but we didn't. Just yeah. look at the Washington Capitals for crying out loud. Or even you just mentioned the Islanders; they had losses in '79 and '78, where '79 they were the best team in the league, right? Same, similar to Florida. Lots of teams they get close. They, they think they've got it, and they're not quite there yet. Yeah. Well, there's, there's also the, uh, excuse the expression, there's also the shit happens factor. Sometimes you just lose and uh, things don't go your way. So, uh, but yeah, totally. I agree with you. So yeah. the Battle of Alberta, everybody's talking about the kicked-in goal. Where were you on mm-hmm. that? We had Coleman go in and look like he scored the what could be the game winner. It was late in the third period, about four or five minutes left. He scores to make it 5-4 for the Flames. You're thinking, okay, Calgary's got this game. We're heading to a game six. But uh, the referee showed up on the scene and called it a distinct kicking motion and disallowed the goal. And a lot of Flame fans, well, I'm sure universally Flames fans were pissed off. But a lot of other non-Flames fans thought it was a bad call as well. Where did you fall on that decision? I think that if if Blake Coleman is uh, put under the, the hot lights and waterboarded for a while, I think he would admit that. While he did not kick it, he certainly did do everything in his power to make sure he could get his skate blade on that and get that puck into the net. Right. Having said that, it's not a distinct kicking motion. It should be a good goal. I'm sure you've seen the footage. The Flames have brought it out with the goal that uh, Winnipeg scored against them. It was almost identical uh, with a guy going to the net and kind of turns his foot. He doesn't, he doesn't kick it, but he certainly turns his foot while stopping and deflects it right into the open net. Same sort of thing, I thought. What, what do you think? Same thing. I, I mean, I would have thought that was a good goal because uh, distinct kicking motion, I guess there's some sub- subjectivity to that. I think about a kick, your skate blade almost needs to leave the ice because directing the puck is 
for several years now been completely legal. Yeah. Seeing send center Chris Tierney, he looked like he scored three or four goals in the first month where he's doing yeah. that very thing. Like um, he, he was bouncing it off all kinds of his uh, parts of his body, but there was one where he's standing in the slot. It was, it was way worse, way worse than Coleman's example. To me, mm-hmm. the rule should be that. I mean, you can make take the gray area out of it. Just say it's cool for you to put it in off your skate, just as long as that skate does not at any point come off the ice. Whoever gets the goal, if your skate comes off the ice in the process of making contact with the puck, sorry, no goal. Because it's a protective thing. It's a safety thing. You don't want exactly. force, forceful kicks of a very sharp skate blade um, with you know flying around in, in that crease area where goalies are diving and things. Uh, it's extremely dangerous, obviously. And so I think that's why the rule exists. So if, as long as that skate blade stays on the ice, then I think uh, it should be a good goal. Alternatively, just ban it altogether. Don't allow don't allow goals yeah, to go in off the, the skate. Period. Yeah, one or the other. So yeah. I understand why why Flames fans would be seriously annoyed. I think they feel screwed today, and they have a right to. Um, so, any other thoughts on Stanley Cup playoffs before we move on to Pierre Dorian's chat with TSN twelve hundred? I feel sorry for St. Louis. I, right. I, I I knew they'd give them a run. I knew they'd scare them a little. I thought it, I thought they'd go a little longer. And that, that was a tough one for them. Yeah. What about the uh, the third round, the conference final in the West that we now know the opponents, Colorado versus Edmonton? I feel a little bit like McDavid's Cinderella story has hit midnight somewhat. Colorado got a slight scare from St. Louis here, but they are so talented. And I just feel like they're going to be just a bit too much for Edmonton at this stage. The Oilers, young team, they've never gotten this far before in the McDavid years. I feel like maybe they're going to have a letdown after winning the Battle of Alberta quite handily. Yeah, Colorado is so deep, right? Like, like Landis Gog does has not played and does not play with Rantanen and McKinnon anymore. Right, he's playing with uh, Nazem Kadri on another line. That's some depth right there. Their third line, JT Comfer, kicking in a couple goals. Sorry, kick. You know, I shouldn't say kicking, should I? <laughs> Pitching in with a couple of goals <laughs> in the last game. Uh, yeah, okay, maybe they're missing. Uh, Gerard uh, on defense, but is it Gerard? But uh, yeah. I just, yeah, Samuel Gerard. I see them just, and and then you add to that the fact that they've had some crushing defeats in years where exactly what we were just talking about a couple of minutes ago, right? Colorado is a team that had high expectations and didn't live up to them the last few years, and now here they are. That they, they're a team on a mission now. I can see that one being another short one. The combination of depth and and the blue line strength and. And just they're, that they're on a mission, I can see them take care of Edmonton in a hurry. I think Carolina is going to take care of the Rangers, yeah. but uh, I don't know if it'll be in a, on a road game in game six as we're recording this. We're getting ready for that game tonight. It's almost uncanny how Carolina has been perfect at home and perfectly awful on the road. So uh, <laughs> I'm keen to see if they're going to be able to polish this thing off. I think they will. And I look back to the way they dominated that Boston game seven, like it was just, they just snuffed the Bruins out, and we now know that maybe part of the reason the Bruins don't win that series, well, I think they're a lesser team for one, but Brad Marchand was playing hurt. He's now going to miss six months, six months as a surgery on both his hips. And so um, I saw somebody online waxing on eloquently about the Sens effect there because if the Sens have any chance at a playoff spot, and I think what are they, 27 points back of Boston and Washington, something like that, those are the two wildcard teams in the East. Uh, those are the two teams that are going to have to come back to the pack 
the bottom half of the league quite a bit if the Sens are to have any shot whatsoever, and that will certainly hurt the Bruins to miss Brad Marchand. Yeah, that's that's a long time too. Eh? You're so used to these guys' injuries, you know, like they always say four to six or six to eight to ten weeks or something. But surgery that's going to be six months, that's uh, that's tough. And they are an older team, uh, especially now if, if Bergeron is done retirement or just moving off to somewhere else for less money to keep playing. Um, that, that they're off. They're going to have a tough start to their season. And, th- and that's, it's a combination of, you know, Boston or Washington dropping six to eight points and the senators picking up six to eight to 10 to 12 more points. Something good has got to happen on both ends for the senators to make the playoffs. Now, the last time we did dissecting Dorian, uh, you were quite <laughs> vocal about hating the jingle. You despised it. You wanted it to be shot into the sun. But I actually got some feedback from people who felt like the whole discussion was incomplete without the dissecting Dorian jingle. So we're here to serve the good listener, Greg. We're here to serve the good listener. <laughs> Go on. Dissecting Dorian. Can I win a Juno for that? <laughs> no, but uh, some, of your, uh, some of your blue team elimination watches, they should be in there. <laughs> So some of the things, thank you, um, some of the things that Pierre Dorian talked about on TSN 1200 this week, there wasn't any bombshells, I would say that. One of the things that interested me was the reference to Matt Murray, um, revealing officially that Matt Murray had a concussion. That's why he missed, what, March and well, pretty much most of February, March, and, and April. Uh, he had a concussion, says he is going to be ready for camp. So that tells you that, they're planning to go to war with Murray and Forsberg. And if that's the case, right, that, uh, that means that Philip Gustafson is going to be available to somebody on waivers at the start of the year, no? Or they're going to start with three. Like that, I, I wouldn't put that past them either. Start with three goalies. I mean, if, if Gustafson doesn't get moved in the offseason in a nice package, I could certainly see it happening that he, that he, he starts the season, the team starts with three goalies. It sucks. But with their injury woes and their inconsistency problems, uh, I can certainly see them starting the year with three goalies. Couldn't you? I mean, that, doesn't that make sense? You want to get the kid playing, but you also don't want to lose him. So it's a bit of a conundrum for sure. Um, right. So put your uh, prognosticator hat on. Who plays more games? Who starts more games next season for the Ottawa Senators, Murray or Forsberg? Oh, is this our our, uh, our betting uh, segue now? Are we going to? We don't have a gambling cabbie. sponsor yet. No, no cabbie and the bald nerdlinger going to come on now and interrupt my show. No, um, no. I, I, did you say my <laughs> show? I have, no, I'm sorry. No, I said our show, didn't I? I don't know. Sorry. No, you our quite show? clearly said my show. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, I'm thinking that I have complete uh, total confidence for no reason whatsoever in Matt Murray that he's going to play 50 games next year. No, really? Yeah, wow. yeah, I got it. I, I believe so. That would be if he's tying his. <laughs> that'd be tying his personal best. He's never started more than fifty games in any NHL season, even when he's winning cups in Pittsburgh. He is not a particularly resilient guy physically, and uh, and I don't know what's going on mentally either. That whole business with the trip down to the minors, and uh, it, I, again, I still maintain there's something going on there beneath the surface that we don't know about, that we're not privy to. But I do hope for his sake that he's figured it out and that he can be 
potentially a Stanley Cup goaltender playing at that level once again. I just haven't seen it yet in the first two years. No one has, I think. Nothing new in the what are you going to do this summer? He came out with uh, exactly what every Sens fan or prognosticator is talking about. Well, it'd be nice to add a top four defenseman or maybe a top six forward. Just where's the this just in music? That's that's fascinating. (laughs) Um, He does talk about this. Yeah. So he's talking. He talks about sacrificing prospects, picks, current roster players. I think that's that's how it has to happen. Uh, We've talked about that ad nauseum that it's probably going to happen by trade if it's going to happen at all. And uh, one of the names that we were talking about off the air that we've seen a little bit online about is because uh, you get the usual suspects, Claude Giroux, Kevin Fiala. I brought up Brian Rust, I think, in a recent episode, and Brian mm-hmm. Rust resigns immediately with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So one of the names you brought up quite a while ago was Travis Konechny. Is that someone that sends my target? Yeah, I, because I, I think Philly, it depends, right? Is, is Philly in complete and total overhaul mode here? which might be a good idea for them, in which case Konechny might be a guy to go from a from a contract situation. Of course, he's only 23 years old, Steve. But after a great breakout during the shortened 1920 season, like he was phenomenal, led the team in scoring that year. Uh, but since then, has not been good. Like in the bubble, that uh, playoff year of 2020, uh, did nothing. Uh, did nothing much in 2021. And this past season, what do you have? He had, uh, he apparently went in a 16 game stretch. Sorry, the 16 games in the bubble, zero goals. I looked this up, by the way. Uh, then he came back in 2021 with 11 goals and 34 points. Not mm-hmm. good. And then this past year, not good again. So it's just, I wonder, like, is, is he reached his peak? Is he done as a, is he no longer a potential long term power forward in the NHL with a little bit of pest to him? Maybe you might want to pass on him. At one time, I thought it looked good, but now I'm now I'm starting to worry, and and it kind of makes you wonder. Now you now you kind of understand what what a GM and his scouting staff have to go through when they're looking at players to bring in, right? Trying to judge what a player's got in him and what he can bring to you are two different things, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. Going back to Matt Murray, for example, you get excited about a player, two-time Stanley Cup winner, and uh, and then you make a deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm all I'm always navel gazing and my thought immediately would be I'm excited about this goalie but wait a minute why is Pittsburgh so willing to move this guy why are they willing to turn the page on this guy and then we get to connect me same deal see he's young yeah. guy still he's 24 25 you know if he's not a value to the Philadelphia Flyers why is he of Philly Philly's willing to get rid of him why is he a value to the Ottawa Senators uh also with Pierre Dorian he thinks that both Lassie Thompson and Jacob Bernard Docker are close. That Thompson had a better first half than his second half, and part of that was spent in the NHL, by the way, and he looked quite good here. But uh, he said, we'll see how the chips fall. That, to me, sounds like a, not a ringing endorsement. That, to me, sounds like a general manager of a team that's prepared to go to war this fall on the right side with Zub, Zaitsev, and Hamannick. What about you? That's scary. I, I I would think that either one of those two guys is trade bait. Uh, if you're trying to make a deal for this top four D or this top six forward, um, you know the, the the number seven pick. Uh, maybe maybe Gustafson's in the deal. Uh, maybe one of your more recent draft picks, like maybe even a Ridley Gregg's in the deal. I know you love him, uh, but Lassie Thompson, JBD, they're 
you have gathered all of these prospects, you've collected all these assets, it's time that maybe one or two of them need to be moved to bring in a slightly up, uh, no, not a slight, but to bring in a real upgrade uh, at whatever position it is you're, you're targeting here. Yeah. As an off, because we're having a conversation about deals and things like that, and it's always about money, right, with this organization. Mm-hmm. And it, it's sort of a new world, but I wonder how, how new a world it is. Eugene Melnick has passed away, and now his daughters run the organization. There's this mysterious three-man panel that are, you know, kind of, I guess, have the hammer on all big decisions and things. I really thought Pierre Dorian maybe had a misstep in his season-ending news conference. Um, something along the lines of, uh, I don't know what exactly the words were, but he basically talked about the cap and we're not going to be spending to the cap. And it just like, it basically took away any hope that I had that there might be any change that maybe now we've got, you know, it's still in the family and everything, but maybe the new regime has different ideas about how they want to spend. And from a marketing standpoint, at the very least, there's no hurry in putting that out there. It might, it might be the exact same philosophy across the board that it was when Eugene Melnick was still alive. But until, until Dorian said that I I was still in the gray area wondering if maybe they might go shopping, maybe they're going to be a, you know, hiring a bunch of people. And, uh, and he pretty much threw cold water on that, which was uh, a little disappointing. Well, I think also though, Steve, there's, there's a little bit of cap management here too. They cannot afford to spend to the cap this year with what they have to sign in the future, when this team's going to be good, you're going to have to be paying Jake Sanderson a lot more money than he's making now. Uh, if Ridley Gregg makes it, you know, he, he's going to slip in there. At, if he's going to be what what we think he's going to be, he's going to be four, five, six million a year. There's money that needs to be spread around. Stutzler's coming up, right? Uh, Formanton this summer. So if you start signing everybody right now for this coming season and you're at the cap, what's that? You have no room to play. You have, right. you're, you're like one of these other, these teams we're always laughing at that are all maxed out. So I don't even know that they can spend to the cap this year if if they want to be able to sign guys next year and the year after because the cap ain't moving up at any time soon. True. So maybe we shouldn't even be spending a lot of time wasting our breath and bringing in guys like Claude Giroux who are going to be, uh, you know, they're not going to be coming cheap. They won't be where they were. I think he'll come in and probably sign for less than he's been making, but I don't know. I mean, if, uh, cause I mean, Pierre Dorian did talk about maybe he joked. It was just a joke, but it still tells you something that maybe mm-hmm. if we sell out every game, we'll talk about spending to the cap. Um, I think you're right. If they're going to keep this team together, they pretty much will at some point in the next three or four years, they will have to be spending to the cap because every one of these guys is going to cost them money, starting with Josh Norris and Alex Formans in this summer. And, uh, to that point, Josh Norris, I can't imagine a situation where, I mean, the more I think about it, I keep thinking, okay, that's a guy that there's no way in the world if I'm his agent, I'm, I'm going to tell him to take anything less than Brady Kachuk got. He's he's on yep. pace for low 40s. If he played the whole season, he would have been in the low 40s in goal scored. And maybe that's a maybe that's a, a small sample size to pay him that much. But we know Craig Oster's not, not shy about grinding and uh, going as long as he needs to go to get a deal done. Yeah, so that's that goes back to my last point, right? You want to spend to the cap this year? Come on, people. You got to pay Timmy Stutzla next year. So if you're at the cap, you're going to have to pay Norris. Yeah, he's going to come in asking for eight five or eight, right? So 
Are you, is he going to be happy to take the Suzuki contract? Is he going to be happy at eight times eight? I'm sure he probably would be, but that's not where they're going to start. So depending on what you end up having to pay Norris, depending on what you think you're going to have to pay Timmy Stutzla, I can see Stutzla coming in and saying, I should be the highest paid player. I'm, I'm the best. Maybe not Timmy's going to say that, but that's what his agent's going to say. <laughs> I think I'm the best player on this team, the most skill. I should be paid the most money. So unless they've established in the room or some type of team philosophy that says that uh, that Brady Kachuk is our Ray Bork and that's the ceiling, unless that's established and everybody's on page with it, you're just going to keep going up and up and up with each new contract you're going to have to sign. And you can, if that's the case, like if this were somewhere else, Norris would get more than Kachuk. Stutzler the year after would get more than Kachuk. Sanderson two years after that would get more than Kachuk. So it's a lot of a lot of balls in the air and it's not an easy job. Yeah, you've certainly hamstrung yourself a little bit by giving your fourth best forward, and I think he'll be that within a couple of years. I'll say that he's going to be better than that come playoff time because his game won't change that much in the rigors of the, of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But in terms of just generally speaking, I'd put him at number four probably among the Sens forwards, and you gave a guy $8.2 million who's your fourth best forward. That kind of hamstrings you, but... They had to do it. I don't blame them for it. There's oh, yeah. no way in the world at that stage in the Sens history they could uh, mess that whole thing up. Uh, they had to get Brady Kutchuk under contract, and but now now they have to deal with the fallout from that and what other guys will want because of that deal as a comparable. Um, the seventh overall draft pick, Pierre Dorian says this may be a year they move that pick and try and get an impact player they'd have control over. Not like a guy who's a pending UFA or a guy with a year left, but a guy they have control over for more than a few years. Um, They'll have to do more than just the seventh overall pick. But what do you think about going public with that? It seems to me that'd be the kind of thing you'd you'd leak out to the media just to sort of announce that, yep, it's up for, up for grabs. I don't know. Does that not devalue the, the asset a little? I don't know. I did. The, all, the, all the teams would know that it's that they're willing to move it. He's not saying we're going to move it. No ifs, ands, or buts. He's saying they're willing to listen. So just in case he hasn't been able to, maybe there's some GMs who don't return his phone calls. So now they all know for sure that he's willing to move it. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I can, like, you if, if, if you want to flip with somebody, take something down in the 20s, move the seven overall pick and a couple players for a really good player that we need here and and take back a 20th pick or something overall. That's a nice deal. I've said all along that it's it's low enough that it's okay to move it. Like go back and do some research, and once you get past one, two, three, there's a serious drop off historically uh, with with first rounders. I mean, there's the odd guy that pops in that somebody stole at ten, but at the time he wasn't projected to be what he turned out to be. Right? There's lots of guys like that, but generally speaking, there's a there's a definite cutoff after even two uh, when you look at the, the history of the NHL draft. Being seventh overall, going that early, obviously, with the Ottawa Senators and what they did at last year's draft, at number 10 overall, they basically took a guy that everybody else thought was going to be around 30 overall, something like that. So um, they may be in the mode of, okay, it's not a deep draft. We probably go our own way anyway. We've got a guy we like who everybody thinks is is lousy or not that great or not a seventh overall pick. So they may be planning to go their own way again. And I was thinking about that watching Team Canada and the win over Czechia today, 6-1 to one the final, off to the finals now. And Cole Sillinger had a nice goal for Canada. Not a big goal, but it was a very nice goal. And it was just a little reminder, a little dig at Sens fans, that he was chosen after Tyler Boucher 
And there's a guy that not only is in the NHL and had something like, I think he had 18 goals, something like that as a rookie uh, in the teens somewhere. Um, and not only that, he's a bigger player than Boucher. He's a bigger man than Tyler Boucher is. So that, uh, I mean, there's still a long time to go in the development process. And we've talked Tyler Boucher to death, but I just throw that in there because Cole Sillinger sure looks like a player. And if I'm and if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure he was the guy before the draft that you wanted them to take at 10, wasn't he? You you liked him right from the get-go. Course, I liked him. His, I, his dad played in the show. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's another good point. Yeah, because Pierre, <laughs> Pierre Dorian loves those guys who played uh, who had dads in the NHL. There's no doubt about that. The actual guy, I think I, I, mean, I liked Sillinger, but I think I inevitably settled on uh, Coronado. Ah, okay. And you had an American kid too, I think, that you wanted to take. That also, yeah, I, I think wanted you, uh, Chad uh, Lucius. Lucius, that's the guy I wanted. Yeah, Chaz Lucius. That sounds yeah, like a soap nice, opera nice name. handle. It's a great handle. <laughs> Uh, and let's leave it. Let's leave it. Uh, leave it there. As we mentioned off the top, Canada is off to the gold medal game, and uh, all good stuff for Drake Batherson. I certainly thought I didn't see much of the semifinal, but uh, I watched the quarterfinal, and it looked like they were dead in the water. They're down three nothing in the third period. They do get one early. It's three one, but then they get it inside. I don't know, two two three minutes, and Sweden took the puck over glass call, uh, but it's still three one at that stage. Canada scores on that power play. And then uh, they end up tying it uh, last minute. And then Drake Batherson goes to work in the OT. I don't know. It just looks like I know DJ Smith is there. I'd be even more impressed if he was not. But it sure is nice to see how Batherson. It's, it's nice to see evaluation of your players um, outside the organization by other experts in the field. And it's hard not to notice that Thomas Shabbat is still getting insane amounts of ice time for Team Canada, and Drake Batherson is playing in every key situation. So that's cool to see. Yeah, and Batherson has gotten better and better as the tournament has gone on, which is what you want from your team and your players individually and as a group. You want them to get better as it goes along. The move to playing with uh, with Dubois and uh, uh, Cousins has really helped Batherson, right? His game is that much better playing with them. I've, I've loved watching him play. You know, he's been a clutch guy, and he still plays the – he's physical down low. And he, did you know he's the only guy on the roster who was an all-star this past season? No. Really? Yeah, the all-star game. Yeah, in the NHL all-star game. He, of course, he didn't get to play, but he's the only guy on the roster who, who would have played in the NHL all-star game. Screw you, Aaron Dell. Screw you. <laughs> of course, he gave the Belleville Senators a hard time in the playoffs as well. Thank you. He got a – Got them twice. All right, let's call it quits right there. I want to remind everybody our website is sensnationhockey.com. Um, anything else we wanted to cover off before we wrap up today? Pierre had some nice things to say about Zach Ostapchuk, but we covered him off on the last show. Yep. Done well in the playoffs out there. Yeah, it's going to go back to junior most likely next season. Oh, for sure. People. Yeah. He was really good in the playoffs, though, like an absolute stud. I think he was close to two points a game for the Vancouver Giants who eventually got eliminated in the second round. But, uh, yeah, terrific upsurge. And uh be interesting to see what he does at junior next year and could turn out to be a real diamond in the rough. Although not that rough. He was still a second-round draft pick. Still pretty good players can be found there. All right, so we'll call it quits right there again. SensNationHockey.com is the website. We've got our Sens Nation Hockey T-shirts. If you're enjoying the show, why not buy a T-shirt today? Look at me shucking t-shirts. It's craziness. <laughs> so enjoy your weekend, Greg, and we'll talk to you in our next episode.
For sure, Steve. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.